Welcome to Snape Chat, Voice of the Snape Dome, dedicated to spreading Snape love the world over. This is Snape-centric. Thanks for joining us. The topic of this episode is Snape Needs Therapy. I'll be discussing this with Megs, Dan Puff, and our special guest, author and therapist, Lady Heliotrope. After that, Lady Heliotrope and I will discuss her works, which include Case Consultation, Severus S. Enjoy the show. Today, our topic is Snape needs therapy, as we all know. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I'm here with Megs. Hello. Danny. Hi. And Lady Heliotrope. Hi. Who is an author and therapist and our special guest today. (laughs) That's all. Yay. (laughs) Dang. (laughs) Someone's blushing. It's good to be a special guest. Yeah. So I don't know. I made a little bit of an outline. I started out with a list of traumas and it got to be so long. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's why he needs therapy. (laughs) Yes. My own therapist was saying that as one grows up, traumatic episodes, or I can't remember what she called them, aces or something like that, that it makes you more susceptible to mental illness of various kinds. Mm -hmm. Specifically, a score of four or up out of 10 means that you're much more likely to have a lot of comorbidities is what we say. Mm -hmm. So she said even like schizophrenia or things like that. That's so unfortunate, but true. Yeah. Especially as a child, it's like your brain is developing. So however it's affected, affects its growth too. And mental illness obviously is regards to the brain's way to handle different chemicals and balances. And if that gets out of whack early, I mean, it's kind of like getting an injury that like your body's weaker in that area. Like if you get an extreme injury, even if you break a bone, that area might be stronger, but then the outside areas are weaker because of it. And it's just, it's the way it is. <laughs> yeah. And that's the time when you're learning and lessons you're being taught before you know any better. A lot of nurture over nature, I say. say. I mean, I guess that was always a question. Well, I'll admit I've struggled with major depression all my life. And I assumed that it was just the way I was wired, the way I was born. But okay. So I guess trauma can also contribute to that. You can build on that, yeah. In particular, there's something called epigenetics, if any of you are familiar, uh, where basically it's like your DNA is a code. And if bad things happen to you, then that code gets activated. And it's like, do 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 schizophrenia, do 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 Oh, wow. Yay! <laughs> and <it's- laughs> a lot of anxiety and OCD and things like that. And I can feel like I can look back and see where that's started, but I feel like a lot of things that happened in that period only exacerbated a lot of that and made it a lot more severe than maybe it might have been without a lot of things that happened. So yeah, with with my experience, I have bipolar depression. And so I've had full extremes of (laughs) things that I've experienced over my lifetime. But I mean, I know for me, my mother suffers from it. And I would say that overall, my childhood was relatively healthy. I didn't have, you know, any of those traumas and, and whatnot. So for that instance, it definitely felt very, you know, like she gave it to me. Like, it's just uh-huh. what happened. And it's just like, oh, and we didn't know for a long time, even though we lived with my mother and we knew what she was going through. All of a sudden, I was such a surprise. I don't know. So, but yeah. So, but yeah, it comes in all shapes and forms. No one's, no one's exempt.
prompt, that's for sure. Indeed. Well, I can read some of Snape's traumas as we're probably all fairly familiar with it after reading the books. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, poverty, abuse, bullying, extreme <laughs> bullying, almost dying at the shrieking shack, losing Lily's friendship and eventually losing Lily from the world. And being a Death Eater couldn't have helped at all either. Oh, hell no. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, what you could be exposed to within that lifestyle and the different, you know, people involved in it and the sort of things that they find entertaining. It's got to be a very dark and difficult thing to navigate. Mm-hmm. And like my heart's always hurt for him because it's just he never really got a break from anything because, you know, growing up in poverty, like having that abuse where if it wasn't him, then he was witnessing it. So either way, that's not good. And then, you know, going to Hogwarts and thinking, oh, I'm getting away from this. I'm good. It's yes. magic. I have my friend with me. And then immediately meeting bullies and just yeah. immediately like going from one bad situation straight into another and it never really lets up. And then losing his longtime best friend, like the only person he really had. And like, I've been through a lot of friend breakups, some even recently, and like those like shatter your heart. And then, you know, just because they weren't friends anymore, didn't mean he didn't care anymore and then she dies and then he's in this situation where he does all these things he feels guilty for and then just the experience of being in that environment was probably pretty traumatic and like he just never once in his life really had a break from anything nope nope up until his you know perceived death he was surrounded by trauma I mean he worked at Hogwarts this you know traumatic things happened there I mean that poor guy he didn't even want to be there it seemed <laughs> He was pushed into that situation. Like, that man did not like teaching. I know. <laughs> I know. It's funny because if I was Severus and I went to Dumbledore and was like, dude, I'm here. I'm bowing to you. Save my friend. And the friend dies. I'd be like, okay. I'm out. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, old man. All right. You were useless to me. And I'd run off somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, there's no way. But that just shows his character. When he makes a commitment, he owns up to it. And he, regardless of whether there's really a benefit for him, anymore he stuck with it like what what else could he get out of it I'm not quite sure like I don't know how much he anticipated Baltimore coming back or anything like that or protecting himself to stay out of Azkaban I don't know but it just seemed like it he was just doing what he felt like was duty in the situation like I made a promise and I'm here to fulfill it till I die that's such a Mr. Darcy-esque thing (laughs) (laughs) oh I know yes yes Oh, that's great. Absolutely. <laughs> I also think it says a lot that he could like learn and change his ways, that he could be a Death Eater and want that acceptance from them, but then being able to change his mind and want to do the right thing and making strides towards making things right and trying to be a better person than was. So that alone speaks to his character because a lot of people can't do that. They can't have their minds changed. They can't be open to realizing that they did things wrong. In particular, those with complex trauma often respond by becoming more and more rigid. And the fact that he doesn't, I'm convinced that he sort of needs criteria for at least some kind of personality disorder, but I have complex thoughts on that. This is my diagnostician piece coming to play. But my thought is that he both meets criteria for personality disorder, but also defies a lo- sort of what the traditional expectations for a personality disorder look like. Hmm. 
Hmm, interesting. Uh, yeah, it says a lot about him as a person, I think. Yeah. The next thing on the outline is signs and symptoms. Yeah, which kind of plays off of what. Yeah. She just yeah. Said. So I've got the Aces quiz pulled up. If that would be of interest to run through, kind of real quick. Oh yes. 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 Mm-hmm. All right. So what's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> Before his 18th birthday, did was there any verbal abuse? I think it's implied that there may have been, but I don't know that canonically we know for sure. Is that mm-hmm. fair? Yeah. yeah. So I am going to give that a one in with the caveat that we don't exactly have canonical evidence for it. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. And then physical abuse from a parent or other adult of the household. I, again, we don't have canonical evidence for that. We have a Pottermore article. Oh. No, we had we had brought it up in the past that there's a an article regarding all it's either Hogwarts professors or the history of the headmasters and kind of goes into them individually and one of them expresses Snape as how his name derives from a, you know something like dirty filthy um, a negative so connotation and it it expresses explicitly that his father did not hold back in regards to the wit so he definitely was really, yeah physically so that's canon okay all right cool. So that yeah yeah if we take Pottermore into account as far as like after written thing yeah, but yeah I think that counts I'll pick and choose my Pottermore <laughs> details but that's okay <laughs> when it comes to Snape I'm pretty sure that she thought everything through okay mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so that's a two so far a two for two and then sexual abuse I don't think we have any evidence to suggest that I have written it and I have written not that that he's experienced that so I feel like it's it's either way yeah, I read both but I don't think they're would be canonical evidence for that. So that's two for three. Did you often or very often feel like no one in your family loved you or thought you were important or special? That's fucking clear as as hell. Yeah. Um, Mm. (laughs) 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 Yeah. That's three out of four so far. Not having enough to eat, wearing dirty clothes, no one to protect you. That's a hard yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to start crying. (laughs) Yeah. So that's four for five. Were your parents ever separated or divorced? I don't know, but their relationships was clearly unhappy. So, but that, do we have any evidence for a separation? I don't believe. I don't think so. I think the only thing that I think is alluded to is the fact that she wouldn't leave. Like she, like she kind of left him in whatever the experience that it was. But I think that's as far as it would go. One of my favorite head cannons is that Eileen poisoned Tobias. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I read a fanfic like that once, and I was very thrilled. <laughs> I was like, thank you. <laughs> Yes, it's very soothing to think of that. Just a little comeuppance. But that's so out of, we're four for six. Uh, was your parent, uh, or mother or stepmother, you know, which granted not every family relationship has that often or very often, uh, pushed, grabbed, slapped, or had things thrown at her? Yes. Physical abuse of mom, basically. And that's a yes. If I'm not mistaken, I think the glimpse that we have of the sort of like the being in the garret killing the flies while parents or screaming downstairs feels like an allusion to that. I feel like if we read between the lines, I feel like there's enough going on that I feel like I'm okay with making that assumption. Oh, also in Pottermore, if Pottermore is canon and we know that Sev was experiencing physical abuse from dad, corporal punishment, that I find it very unlikely that mom would have also escaped that somehow. Mm-hmm. Right, I so
divorce separation is one that takes the score down. Did you ever live with anyone who was a problem drinker or alcoholic? Is it canon that Tobias drank? No. I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, I think that's definitely a fanon thing. Like, we expect him some fashion needing to fall onto that as me. So, you know, self-treatment <laughs> in regards to whatever yeah. reasons. Kind of a working class from the North. Oh, that's mm-hmm. the word. Yeah, I think we discussed that in the Cokeworth though. Right, yeah. So yeah. should we count that as a yes or a no? The likelihood seems very high. Yeah, I think it's a high likelihood. So we could probably say yes, but I don't think there's canonical evidence of it. But if you want to go with illusions, things that are implied, the likelihood of that happening in that time period era, we could probably say yes. I feel like the answer is yes. I feel like I've never written Tobias as anything other than alcohol abusing or alcohol abusing. So that will take us to six out of eight. Was a house member depressed or mentally ill? Yes, I think. If Eileen wasn't leaving someone who's physically abusive to her her child, I'm going to say that implies depression. Yeah, I would agree with that. So uh-huh. that is seven out of nine. And did a household member go to prison? We don't have evidence of that. So, and I feel like it can't really be believed that's the case. So I'm going to say that's a no as well. But that takes us, if I'm not mistaken, and my math sucks because this calculia. <laughs> <laughs> But that would be a 7 out of 10. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, okay. So, so basically, this is a more than positive score. And the meaning of it basically is the likelihood that someone who has a score of like 5 or more needs, like the likelihood would be a prescription for antidepressants amongst other things. The risk of perpetrating a domestic violence would be about 15% for as someone with a score of 5 or more. To be an alcoholic, if you have a score of four or more, it's a 16% likelihood. Those are just some of the statistics associated with these numbers. So, okay. Teen sexual behaviors is another factor. I'm just like looking through some slides right now mm-hmm. to get this data. So, likelihood of intercourse by age 15 sexual behavior, uh, 25% for someone with a, a score of four or more. But I don't, I don't know that that applies with sub. I feel like he's kind of weirdly ace, but or like. Like, kind of like Ace, but not Ace. I don't, I don't know. That's, mm-hmm. you can see that. Just, like, trouble with sex in general. Not Ace, really. It's my problem. I'm saying, I do not think he is asexual per se, but I think there is evidence that he could be. So, either way. Oh, Ace score indicators of impaired worker performance. <laughs> well, serious problem performing job, uh, that would be over, that would be about uh, 18% if for someone with an Ace score of four or more. Serious financial problems, that would be about 25% almost for someone with an Ace score of four or more. Absenteeism from work, uh, Ace score of four or more would be about 15%. So if we're looking at like, oh, and smoking, the likelihood of him being a smoker, I suppose, would be in the 16% range based on this data. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's what A scores generally can predict, but obviously there's a lot of factors and I don't know, any thoughts or responses to all of that? Yeah, well, we can definitely, I think it goes into kind of what's on the outline, but his like irritability and even like verbal abuse to his students, you know, it's like he has no filter or ability to hold back a lot of things that he does and says are extremely inappropriate in regards to how to talk to youth you know 
in comparison to even like an adult. So I could see him just having no sense of what would be socially okay, like either because I could see if he was told not to do something to an extreme account as a young person, as an adult, I could see him just be like giving no fucks, you know, whatever. It's like, I'm going to do and say what I want and no, and people have to deal with it. Yeah. And then if he was verbally abused, like that could be, you know, that's what he grew up with. So that's what he knows what that's doing. Or even if that's not, or part of it is, you know, I didn't have power and now I do have power. So whether it's intentional abuse of that power or not, it still could have something to do with that. Yeah. And we don't, and we don't have any aspect where we know of him to, I think, lay a hand on a student until, what is it, fifth year when he throws Harry from his office, I think, after the occlumency lesson. But so for him, it's it was always a like verbal abuses for sure. But I think it goes into his extreme intelligence too. Like it's just him processing and like something that could have come out like teasing or a joke. He just is nasty. You know what I mean? Like I feel like he has the opportunity to like be, I don't know, but I just don't think that he has the capability of being able to know how to translate, you know, the things that goes through his head and be able to let it leave his mouth in a way that would be semi-appropriate, I guess. I can see that. Another thing, I know you mentioned his intelligence, so I had always thought about that too, is he's so smart, and if he just can't grasp why other people aren't grasping the things that are so easy for him, that can be super frustrating. Like, why aren't you getting this? It's so easy. But it's exactly his mind is just so different from other people's because of his high intelligence. And then part of it is, you know, maybe just being alone because he was so bullied and abused. So he's not used to knowing how to deal with people, whether that's just from history, or I know some people talk about whether or not he's on the autism spectrum. So it's just how his brain is wired. Yeah, I don't know. It's a lot lot that could be there and could be the reason why he behaves the way that he does very complex man. Why we love him. Yes. Indeed. Uh, Another piece, I think, that you were saying something that made this come up in my brain. I think the way that he is so disciplined in some areas kind of leads to, like, a whack-a-mole effect in some some cases where he's very disciplined in, in sort of his demeanor and having to be very precise in a lot of things. And then chaos kind of emerges in other areas. Uh, Especially when Harry comes around. Yeah. Yeah, Harry just disrupts everything, the sort of order and method of everything in his life, and is just that constant thing that bothers him, and the, the burr in the ass, so to speak. Yes. Well, he has so much mm-hmm. side of him, so, you know, it takes a lot of work to be that ordered and disciplined, and the smallest thing could set someone... I know for me, like, the first thing that goes wrong, because I carefully plan everything, it just throws everything off, and it's like, oh no! <laughs> so I can see that being a thing where Mm -hmm, you're clinging mm -hmm. so tightly to things any little thing that goes wrong or any and just because he is bottling so much inside I think that especially someone like Harry can be a big trigger for throwing it all out of order and then unleashing all of that intensity and emotion and anger and everything else he's been keeping inside so yeah yeah 
what do you think about ADHD? Hmm. Like I generally, this is, this is like a, like a brain explosion for me right this second, because I'm like, wait a minute. Typically I would never think of Snape as having ADHD, but I'm wondering like what you're describing, the sort of like, I set up a routine and then something gets off kilter and then everything is just completely chaos. And that thought is very, that's a very ADHD experience. And I'm wondering what other people think of that. I don't know that I've ever read because I'm on Tumblr, always looking at different people's head cannons, discussing different things. Like I mentioned, you know, there's the talk of is he autistic or not, or any just you see all these head cannons trying to explain things. I don't know that I've ever seen ADHD come up, but now that you've said that, I'm thinking about it. Like, hmm. let me grab the ASRS because that the ASRS assessment is a. I can also run the AQ10, which is the sort of screening tool for ASD or autistic spectrum, quote unquote disorder. So let's see the ASRS. I'm going to just use the old version because the new version is less good in my opinion. All right. So how often trouble wrapping up final details of a project? I'm going to say probably Snape doesn't have a trouble with that, probably, unless we're talking about something that's outside of the scope of day-to-day life. I don't know. Thoughts? I don't know. (laughs) That's... I feel like even something that wouldn't know or have like an understanding or experience of be able to be very calculating at the time to find a way to handle those situations. I don't really see him feeling like he's lost power in something. I just I I don't see him ever feeling I don't I don't know. I don't picture him ever feeling out of control necessarily as far as um yeah. But then again, we also know that with Half Blood Prince, he did all of this additional work and comments and and how is it that he didn't like do anything with that? And then that suggests to me that it could potentially be trouble wrapping up the final details of a project once the challenging parts are done. Mm-hmm. Like losing interest. Basically like, okay, I edited the whole book. Cool. You know, maybe eventually I'll send something to the publishers and 10 years later loses the book. Because how, how on earth did that book even end up in Harry's possession? That's that's such a yeah. good question. Yeah. Did Slughorn give it to yeah. him? There was like a cabinet full of old books, right? Like yeah, of the same the books. In a cupboard somewhere. So how did he lose it if he had put so much effort into it? Dum, dum, I had canon that. James stole it. <gasps> and that's how he learned Levy Corpus. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Thank God they never used yeah, Sectumsempra. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they Lord. They him enough as it was. My goodness. Okay. Wow. Okay. Never thought of that. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because he could have been, it could have been an instance where then he was like trying to hide it or and then kind of forgot about it or something like that. I don't know that he would, because that Severus would just leave something he put that much, not even effort, but more like these are his thoughts. He came up with his cells. Yeah, he would try and find it. I don't know that he would just leave that around for anyone to find, even if it wasn't like, oh, I'm sentimental about this. It's like, these are mine. Like no one else is going to have my spells and take my credit for things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very odd. Yeah. So that's a thing that maybe supports my theory that is going in a direction. How often having trouble remembering appointments or obligations? I feel like that's not a snake problem. Uh, I, if anyone disagrees, yay, nay. Like, yeah. I feel like he's punctilious to a T. So. I agree. 
having a task that requires a lot of thought, avoiding or delaying getting started. Arguably starting Occlumency with Harry, like he was really avoidant about that, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Of course, that was an extremely unsavory task for him. Yeah. yeah. Which is a is a whole a whole vibe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> His work especially, like having to be a spy, like there's no room for error. There's no room for like putting things off or being late or forgetting things like that. I feel like a lot of his job was so important. He really couldn't afford to get off task. Mm-hmm. Or pay attention to literally every single yeah. line <laughs> detail because anything could have just like broken everything for him. Now, here's two that I think are positive though. How often fidgeting or squirming with hands or feet when you have to sit for a long time? I cannot see him doing anything else other than squirming and being <laughs> uncomfortable being forced to do something that he doesn't want to do, like sitting in class. Yeah, I see him always just walking around because, of course, everyone's terrified of him. So he's just always like looming, watching over her shoulders but really it's just him not being able to just sit down and do nothing or just watch he just has to kind of pace around his space riding dramatically in his billowing robes yes (laughs) robes yes i love it And on that note, being compelled to do things, being sort of driven by a motor, overly active and excessively driven. Yeah. That's a yes. Um, Yeah, I see that. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say he was excessively driven to wander the halls at night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the question I think is, if I were in his head or if I was diagnosing him, I'd be like, okay, is that because you're in an insomniac or is it because you're trying to like avoid other thoughts or is it like, what what is the function of that behavior? And that's the thing that I'm most curious about as a diagnostician. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because another thing with mental illness, a lot of, and especially untreated depression are are extreme nightmares. So I could also see an instance where he either, like beside drinking, like either, you know, to a certain extent unhealthily was using like dreamless sleep to a point that maybe it stopped working for him. So then kind of then had to just, you know, might get like little blips of sleep, but then have to get up and just go out and get his mind on other things. Yeah, because it's just the convenience of him just coming across every, every time Harry's out of bed is just like so absurd so if fully dressed like fully dressed in his robes you know you know how many buttons that man has like like he's he's been up for a while i mean except for the time when he was in his gray night shirt yeah and gobbled a fire and ran Mm -hmm. up five flights of stairs in no time at all (laughs) he had to find harry potter he didn't have time for those buttons yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, that's the basic ADHD checklist. I ultimately am leaning more towards a bipolar diagnosis as I'm running through it rather than ADHD. But I mean, it's pretty clear and apparent to me that he's neurokin. I mean, that is something that has always been a feature of, of Snape and the other characters that I sort of lumped together in a Snape-ish category. So I'm I'm dead convinced of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. On my list of signs and symptoms, I, I also put 
flat affect and then kind of dissociation and occlumency. Yeah. What's the difference? And I don't know. It's my, you know, unpracticed mind to think about is kind of interested in that. What are other people's thoughts on that? Like as a means of keeping things locked up or out, I guess, or what was the thought process? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe even starting with when uh, Dumbledore made him promise not to say anything about the prank where he almost died. that's right. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. My obscure Imaginarium has a a wonderful piece on that. And just the haunted look on his face is like, I don't know. It's like he must have had to dissociate. I mean, how could you go through that without losing your mind? Okay. Without totally freaking out. Yeah, like not only going through something that awful, but then not being able to talk about it with anyone. Yes. Mm-hmm. And like person who almost killed you got you killed. Like they get away with it. You don't get to talk about it. You just have to deal with it and keep it all bottled up. Yeah. And having an adult in power who should be out to protect all students put him, you know, a young person in the position of, you know, like victimizing him and, and, and making it seem okay because it's this dirty little secret like that he can't talk about, that it's not addressed. Like that's messed up. Like if, he, you know, if Dumbledore makes him not talk, it's not like he can go to any other teacher or adult or anyone to even remotely unpack any of that. And just being told how unimportant you are because like your life and safety and well-being is worth less than those these other people just getting away with what they did, basically. And I, I guess trying to protect Remus, but like at the cost of someone else's well-being. And the house points thing. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think I think in one of my my fic, which is like it's relatively still like a you you know out of the realm, but I mean the the Marauders are still you know bullies and kind of you know leads to an attempted murder plot essentially. And in that one, they did get kicked out. They even had a short stint in Azkaban, and I loved <laughs> writing that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, if you, I mean, it's like even as a, a tween or like 15, whatever, it's like. If you're do- doing and planning with intent, you could, that's not a brush aside, you know, situation like that's people have been locked up in Azkaban for less. Like, I don't I don't understand. Yeah. Which is another problem in itself. But I was in Azkaban for a parking ticket. So I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> But my next thought is, an, like, by an extension, is I wonder how the fuck, um, I'm sorry, maybe I shouldn't swear. I wonder how the heck Dumbledore treated individuals who would come up with an accusation of sexual assault. Mm. As attempted murder? Like, seriously? That, if, if you're gonna give people a pass on that, what happens with the Brock Turners of the school? Yeah, and I feel like it's an issue of, like, favoritism in a way, whether intentional or not. But, like, say mm-hmm. someone, let's just say Lily Evans came up like oh my god I was sexually assaulted that might get taken seriously whereas Douglas himself was like I was sexually assaulted maybe not and maybe it ends on the aggressors like if it's someone Dumbledore doesn't like maybe another Slytherin maybe it might get but if it's a Gryffindor definitely not Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's like, okay, I'll talk to them. It's like, promise never to do it again. Like, yeah, I promise. Like, (laughs) 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 
Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. So bad. Yeah, it's not a perfect world in Hogwarts. There's so many issues that aren't addressed and are either, yeah, completely ignored. And just, it just seems like this perfect utopia of happy and whatever. And it's like, no, it's still a school. It's still, there's, it's just, there's still a lot of weird stuff. I have opinions, especially regarding Lockhart, but that's, you know, that's a whole different thing. But yeah, there's so many signs of just, you know, anything could have happened. I'm going down one rabbit hole in my brain, which is not a play at all. <laughs> what is next on your list? Wanting to die. Is it number three? Oh, wanting to die. Oh, we're back already signed. I actually realized I forgot what we were talking about and I do have thought association. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about uh, dissociation. So as far as we can tell, he never meets criteria for dissociative disorder, though I think that if he survived McGenie, then that is very possible. But I do think that we're not looking at that in particular. But dissociation associated with PTSD, hell yes. So there's kind of like a spectrum of severe dissociation. And when you are assessing that, there's like a list of symptoms and PTSD, then schizophrenia, and then dissociative disorders are like kind of like boom, boom, boom in terms of how your score on the DES2 is. And so when you're doing trauma work with people, you want to make sure that they're as grounded as they can be. But I can imagine that I would have both very good control of being in the moment, but also experience a lot of dissociation on and uh, dysregulation in private. But like a mental sort of, I feel like occlumency is like intentional dissociation. What do you think of that? That's kind of what I was wondering, I think, maybe... Maybe he started by pretending he wasn't there. I don't know if that's really what dissociation is. Yeah, no, that 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 counts. Just like mental distance from the present moment. Right. And then maybe that translated into the occlumency. Yeah, exactly. And also removing your memories. Like that's an amazing way to dissociate. I'm like, dude, if I had that tool, I would be a much happier person. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah, all of us. Yeah. <laughs> Just take it all away, please. <laughs> like, be able to selectively take stuff out of your brain and say, you know what? I don't no need names that. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. I, there's like, it, I imagine there being a kind of gap where it's like, I know that there is a memory associated with X, Y, or Z, but I don't have to actually relive it because it's in my pensive and, or stored away somewhere. So hooray for that. And I feel like that must have been critical to his being able to be successful in navigating double agenting. So I think that's apparent. So that's my thoughts on dissociation. Thank you for being painting with me as my own ADHD stuff manifests. <laughs> It's okay. It's all good. Okay. Well, wanting to die, we we know he, I mean, he basically says that in the prince's tale after Lily's death. Yeah. Just like kill me. It's like, what use would that be, Severus? Like, well, of course, like he's just a tool to you, old man. Like, it's just like, oh, what? Yeah. What good did that do to anyone? Oh God. Yeah. After all he's been through, like that would be understandable in a way, just like when it's just one thing after another, I just want it to stop. <laughs> Just make it stop however you can. 
And I am pretty, pretty convinced that he knew that Nagini being used on him was a possibility. I don't know if others are just as convinced. Yes. Mm-hmm. We, we had a Snape Lives discussion recently about that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like he must have known it was a possibility and sort of opted to not bother preparing that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We were talking about how he did prepare because <laughs> he's not dead. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in that instance, yes, as you said, like, like, obviously, what we how we talked about was, it's like, obviously, he would know and have the ability to save himself from that to show that, you know, essentially does die in that regard, like he lets it happen. Like he obviously has the power to change things. Like we talk about how he must have brewed the antidote for Arthur when he was attacked, like who else could have done that if St. Mungo's couldn't. So, you know, like he's he has to have that power and just reached a point of just being like you know what it's over now like it's over and i'm so ready for it to be over that hurts my heart as much as that hurts yes Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like if if he had had adequate support and therapy, then, you know, maybe he would have made different decisions. And I think ultimately that's one of the saddest things. One of the things that hurt the most in watching him die in the books was knowing like, dude, you could have ended up being so much more and fulfilling all of your dreams. And well, I mean, other than having Lily, because that's an impossibility at that point. But, you know, having a happy life was possible. But I know he he felt like it, it probably wasn't. And in that scene where he does, you know, he is attacked and is dying, it's the first time we ever see him kind of like leading. Like he's written, like he's like, you know, let me go, let me go find Harry. I promise I can find him. Like just, he's like desperate. So of course, on one hand, we're like, why is he, if he wants to die, like why would he be so desperate? The only thing that I can think of is the fact that he's like, fuck, I told Dumbledore that I was going to tell Harry what was going on and I'm running out of time and I don't know how I'm going to do that unless I go find him right now and so it was just so convenient for him to just be like he was probably laying there like fuck why did I do any of this I'm such a failure and then Harry just ends up walking up and he's just like oh thank god like take my, take my tears one <laughs> <laughs> thing in my life has gone right thank you now it's an end <laughs> I know yeah exactly I know <laughs> now I can die in peace ha <laughs> oh, no. just the, the <laughs> fuck 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 yeah. <laughs> I guess that that I don't think I ever thought of that 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 way. That makes a lot of sense. I guess I try to not think about that scene too much. True. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I I must I think I reread it for you know a couple different things, and that was like I was like, gosh, he is like he's he's grasping for like he's trying to find any way to get out of the inevitable. Like he's he's glancing at the snake, like he can feel and knows exactly what's coming, and he's trying to get out of it so hard, which seems out of character character tremendously so that's the only thing i can gather is him just being like i worked for all of these years to essentially like he says raise harry for slaughter and he's the one that has to die and i'm the one who has to tell him and fuck i have not told him yet so it's like if i die then i guess the world is screwed (laughs) i don't know if he would come back as a ghost then he'd just be like oh i thought my existence was over i guess now i have an eternity like to this castle forever (laughs) now just because i have to tell harry what the hell is going on? <laughs> you know, that sounds like very rich fodder for a yeah. story. Mm-hmm. I want to read that. There we go, listeners. Plot bunny. Write that fic. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. 
and let us know you wrote it mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I want to read it. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't keep it to yourself. That's rude. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely rude. Mm-hmm. Problems with sleep is the next thing on the list. We alluded to it a little bit that, yeah, he spends all his time awake roaming the halls. And here's the thing that will increase people's yeah. irritability. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I have severe insomnia and I'm pretty sure it's linked to my very bad anxiety. So I'm like, that man 100% has sleep problems. He cannot sleep because his brain's just going 90 to nothing. I guarantee it. <laughs> and lack of sleep does not do you any favors. Let me tell you. <laughs> no, indeed. It's like, oh, if I could slip him some Valium, it would probably life saving. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That's a common theme is overuse of sleeping potions. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Which I think it makes a lot of sense, especially if we think about all of the collection of things that lead to or that are associated with lack of sleep. Like the list is massive. About 80% of his sort of misery could be alleviated by decent sleep. Would it rectify the trauma? No. Would it alleviate a lot of the most acute symptoms? Yeah. yeah. He has no patience. Like it's just immediate like reaction to everything. Or he's just quiet. Like other or he's like pulled back and unavailable so it's like it's that kind of spikes of different things of him just being able to be present and then kind of back the dissociation like pulling himself back to like just to not give that energy to something that means absolutely nothing to him it has a very big impact on you lack of sleep like the ability and then just where your energy is going and then i've like had like days of sleep deprivation and i would just be on the couch like literally crying because all I wanted to do was sleep, but I literally could not. Oh, that's another thing too. How much does that man cry in private? You know what I mean? Like he, oh my God, he has to be, he has to just go back to his rooms and collapse. You know what I mean? Like I just like, he he couldn't hold all that in without exploding in more ways than just yelling at children. That's coming out one way or another. That is not something that is releasing all of that. There's no way to hold on to that. Indeed. And I think that is a kind of a cool thing because I don't know that I can think of almost anyone else in the series who cries more than a couple of times other like other than maybe like Harry and Ron and Hermione. But even Ron, I don't know that he like cries. Who else cries? Like we've seen Cho, but Cho Chang. But of course she her boyfriend was murdered. So I mean you would imagine she'd be crying all year long. So, but that, but she's like, but she's poked fun at. Like, even Hermione and everyone's like, oh, she's crying all the time now. Like, it's like, let her mourn. I was so mad about that. <laughs> Don't, like, you're being an absolute asshole. Like, of course she's crying. Like, oh my God. I just can't. You have no compassion. <laughs> oh, I, oh, that. Every time I'm just like, leave her the fuck alone. Jeez. Exactly. And Marietta Edgecombe's another person that I'm like, I feel like you got a bit of a raw end of the stick, but permanent disfigurement yeah, or pure pressure, like. But anyway, yeah, I feel like he's one of the few male figures that we see legitimately having mental breakdowns, like left and right. I might be wrong about that. I can't think of anyone else. Like, I can't think of any other figures. So, like, basically, I feel like the vibe is we do see a lot of evidence of him crying a lot, proportional to sort of how much screen time he has. I think when she describes him as being in pain like after serious escapes i think it's the first time we see and i think she describes him as almost inhuman i don't remember anybody else 
being quite so angsty. <laughs> it's just, oh, poor guy. Yeah. I'm so silly. Of course he cries a lot. His nickname is Snivelous. Oh, oh yes. Oh, gosh. Yeah, he was definitely a weepy child. <laughs> like, especially when he was younger, I guess I, I could see them poking fun at him and him just completely, like, running away. Like, you know, like, just in tears. Like, unable to, you know, help him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's only the one thing is that they gave him that nickname on the train when he wasn't crying at all. Oh, that's true. Yeah, the first time that they meet. That is in the book, so, yeah. But I would imagine I being teased like that, called Snivelous all the time, I think that would make me cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> being so young. Yeah. And hoping that clearly I see him as being basically like a Hermione, knowing everything before having shown reading Hogwarts in history a thousand times. And, and then people are like, not seeing like, oh, you're cool because you know everything. Like, I know at that age, I was like, obviously, if I'm like the smartest one in the class, people will like me, right? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that that doesn't work. But at that age, it feels like the right, it feels like the thing to make things better. Yes. Mm But it does. <laughs> oh. Rude awakening there. Okay. And then the last thing I have on the list is poor self care. Mm-hmm. I think that's. Yeah, this one, we see some degree of at least adequate self care, given that his clothes are not like they're sort of punctiliously clean and pretty, as well, at least that's the impression I get. I mean, maybe that's just Ellen Rickman having amazing costumes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and the, the issue is primarily his hair. I don't know about y'all, but my hair is a hot mess if I don't wash it literally every day. It is great and disgusting every single day that I don't wash it. Therefore, I must wash it every single day. Even if I shower at night and wake up the next day, my hair is greasy and, and disgusting AF. I feel like at some point he's like, you know what, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Anything like else to do. He doesn't have the time. No. showering every day or like the thing is i don't even know if they have showers at hogwarts i feel like they i know they have bath but do they have showers that feels like a muggle thing i don't know Uh, what i do think is i know people always kind of well at least in fanfic explain it away as like the potion fumes like he's working with those all day and then if you're if your body naturally like if your scalp does tend to be more oily mine's mine's really dry i have really dry hair but i know a lot of people like you said like my mom has really oily hair she has to wash hers every day it's a normal bodily thing and then you're taking into account the potions fumes i know uh someone had once someone was like yeah i'm washing dishes all day and all that steam it's like that's affecting me so if you take that into account and then the fact that he's a spy and he's a teacher and he's got all this stuff to do so it doesn't have time and then if you're thinking he has depression then you know that's also a thing like there's so many reasons that that could that could be happening and not all are necessary necessarily lack of self-care so much as he's got other stuff to do what's he supposed to go shower three times a day (laughs) and i think some of it is like you look back at i think we've talked about this before in some other episodes but like in book one i think even danny you said he's just seen as the bad guy in the like kids book you know what i mean so of course he's described as like tall pale greasy hook nose ugly you know it's like of course he's the evil guy of course i'm going to assume he's the one trying to steal the stone 
because he looks like a villain. Like, I think that, you know, not that that doesn't tie in to all the other things we learn about him. Anti-Semitism. Yeah, but I definitely think that plays into it to like, it's just an added hair is something that she kind of like gets into a lot with like a lot of people. Like I think like Slughorn having like this, you know, straw colored hair, but like, I mean, just like all this extra emphasis on hair a lot of the time, Hermione's hair and all of that, Harry's hair, red hair. I mean, she loves hair, apparently. <laughs> so I don't know what the deal is. So I think like giving that element of like, oh yeah, he's he's the greasy guy. Like he's, you know, obviously he's like seedy and you want nothing to do with him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's kind of how, like, mafioso are often described in books, too. Like, you know what I mean? It, I feel like it's just a joke. Anyway, whatever. Um, but all of this is sort of about self-care, and so, suffice it to say, I think he does the bare minimum. Like, nobody's ever like, oh my god, you stink. And, like, the kids would definitely make a big deal if that was, if their teacher didn't smell good. So, I, I don't know. Especially him, who they hate much. Maybe he actually uses, maybe he uses that sleek ease hair solution like that Hermione uses for the Yule Ball like it's a choice like he loves how shiny it makes his hair That's so it's like because that's the thing like some people love like either like the the permanent wet look like that's the thing like people will treat it so that it looks like it stays wet even though it's dry and I'm sure he's just like oh my like he, in the morning in the mirror he's like tossing it around like like oh yeah like take on the day Severus like soul glow <laughs> yep exactly the one in the Tresemme commercial like <laughs> funny. Or I actually realize it might also be a preventative for, in order to be more sterile and create more sterile potions. I also realize this because if your hair is all flopping about and landing in your potion, you can literally do, you know, ruin everything. Yeah. So if in the absence of a hairnet, which it, he would never suffer that indignity. No, no. Yeah, they wouldn't walk in with Severus Snape in a hairnet. Yeah, or shower cap. <laughs> stirring everything <laughs> like that would be funny as hell so maybe that is actually intentional that that is actually a really funny observation i just came to mind anyway i don't think we ever see any evidence other than that of lack of self-care though it's not it's not far-fetched to imagine that you know when he doesn't have on the very rare weekends i imagine he doesn't gaf but that's speculation yeah and then of course the child being provided provided with like old you know clothing you know mismatched not necessarily not clean but just like awkwardly dressed yeah and then growing up and being an adult you're like okay i'm getting black everything so everything matches and like if it's old it doesn't look old Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, being very punctilious about that mm, because image is a very important Slytherin thing. True. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you can you can say bad words. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. I I I, I try to err on the side of, of politeness. <laughs> no. It's a, it's an explicit podcast. We talk about yeah. things. <laughs> <laughs> We've already done Snemione. We've done Snary. Mm-hmm. We've had a great time. <laughs> we talk about explosive fake so we can drop the cage a little F. Yeah. Yep. So. <laughs> <laughs>
I yep. am sort of throwing around in my head a snarly thing. A, a snarly? I mostly just like the name. Is is that Snape and Harry and Lily? No, no, Char- Charlie. Oh, Charlie. <laughs> oh, snarly. I was like, yeah, I know. I was like, yeah, Harry. Yeah, no, yes, that was a really good guess. All right. Huh, Snape and Charlie. Actually, it's a side note, like a snarry fic that I really like had Snape and Charlie as like a previous relationship. And now I'm like, hmm, snarly. Yeah. That fic is snarry and snarly. I like it. Yeah, I I am so I'm I'm thinking about that, but I'm sorry, that's deviation from our our uh, our point. <laughs> that's what makes it fun. That's okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like hearing new ship portmanteaus, so I'm always here for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, next, I have what would help him meds. meds. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Meds. <laughs> Meds, aka potions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Therapy. And Therapy. <laughs> Therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I in case consultation, the fic that I've been working on, I'm amping myself up to do EMDR with him, which or rather her in that fic, but say say lovey. Um, so which EMDR is a trauma therapy that we have theories about why it works, but in fact we don't know why it works, but it works. And it's used with PTSD, especially in the like the Veterans Administration in the United States. So it is a heavy duty therapy and one that I am becoming certified to like be like an expert in or some shit. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> cool. <laughs> you know, in my disaster gay way. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'm working on it, but suffice it to say, I it, it involves uh, stimulation of bilateral pieces of your brain. The idea of it, and my explanation is horribly inept. And if you are curious about EMDR, I honestly just recommend you go to EMDRIA's website, emdria.org, I think, uh, which is, I forget what it stands for. Basically, it is a very heavy-duty intense therapy method that if he could get over the muggleness of it (laughs) i would love to actually do it and do this work with him that's so fair (laughs) and that's the thing is like i feel like there is a little bit of of sort of muggle like muggle things can't possibly be better than wizarding things about so Mm -hmm. i feel like Mm -hmm. i feel like he just does not anticipate that anything muggles can do is strictly speaking significantly better than wizarding world but the thing is is also we just have sheer numbers whereas the wizarding world doesn't like eventually the with with science the amount of things we're going to throw at the wall and somehow stick is just going to be more a higher quantity than the wizarding world can do in terms of developments in mental health and the thing is the wizarding world would benefit so much because guess what people live a lot longer which means that their trauma haunts them a lot longer when they're in the wizarding world true mm-hmm. the wizarding world really needs to let our slightly inept therapeutic methods in i think because while medically they're superior in methodology i do think that they neglect the mental health component to a gross degree i'd like to think that madam hooch in addition to teaching what like two courses of the intro level 
flying and keeping taking care of the grounds. I would love her to be like the school like therapist, you know, Ooh. like it just I think that she has the opportunity. It's like, what else is she doing with her time besides? I mean, you can only do so much work to the pitch slash there's only like four or five Quidditch games a year. <laughs> like, it's just, That's like true. there's just so little. She would be perfect, especially if like, you know, like my headcanon is that she's queer or a lesbian and like she would be the perfect person for someone to go to if they were having, you know, that sort of crisis or anything like that. And I just, I want her to be the therapist at Hogwarts that everyone can go to. You know, I love it. I absolutely love it. I also very much, I almost always write her as a lesbian and or trans or both. But yeah, no, that that I, that resonates. I love it. I want to read more of that, definitely. And she's always trying to knock into Severus's head and he's like, fuck off. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see it. I can definitely see it. Write it, people. Yes. <laughs> yes, I know. Write it more. <laughs> yes, I need, I need, I have too much, I have too many other things to do other than write all of these things. So someone else needs to. <laughs> <laughs> Hooch is the therapist. Snape doesn't get to Harry in time and comes back as a ghost and then all hell breaks loose. <laughs> I am so there for it. A couple other things that might help would be a new job and a change mm-hmm. of location. Oh, yeah. Okay, who thought that being a teacher is going to, like, be a low-stress job? Oh, that for you sure. Can, like, be a what? <laughs> while doing like this. Like, what the hell? No. <laughs> no, not at all. All those dunderheads. No, teaching is, teaching is literally uh, two jobs for the price of one. Exactly. You know, like, I don't, I don't know a single teacher who is in stress mm-hmm. out of their minds unless they've been in the field for, like, 10 years and they've got things down pat and they never have to write a lesson plan in their life. Which I imagine at this stage, probably after teaching for 10 years, he probably actually has le- reached that level of, like, I don't need to do any planning. But he still has to do grading and writing, grading essays. Like, you can't just, like, do that, like, with with a Scantron, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Somebody estimated how long that he works, like, 100 hour weeks What with teaching, what they say, 14 classes a week and grading all those essays and patrolling the, the halls at night. Yeah. All night, yeah. <laughs> like, truly, where does he get a single break? I see no evidence to support that he gets adequate PTO or anything. Like, does he get sick days? No, I don't think so. If he does, he doesn't take them. Like, you know, he's one of those, like, just like, what would I do with that day besides be miserable? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Although the buddy fic where Minerva's like, Severus, we're taking the time off, we're going wherever, <laughs> we're gonna like just like dragging him around the world. Like, yeah, that would be that'd be fun. I liked I'd like to think Minerva like pulls him out of, you know, the darkness once in a while to his displeasure, but at least he does something. <laughs> yeah. And in a friendship with them, and I love it. (laughs) They're both so snarky in different ways, you know what I mean? And she doesn't take, like, like, like when she's like, I couldn't look at Severus in the face for, like, weeks when, like, they lost the cup or whatever. It's just like, I couldn't look at him. Like, you know that then he was teasing her. Like, he was teasing the shit out of her. Like, it was, yeah, they're the perfect BFFs. Yeah, yeah, the bro TP. Mm-hmm, Which, mm-hmm. you know, that's a sign of autism that having friends who are, you know, much older than you and like relating better to people who are a lot older or younger than you, that's like mm-hmm. an autism thing. 
Mm-hmm. So that's a thing. It is. Yeah. He's definitely the youngest by far of all the entire fact, having started teaching at like 20, 21 or whatever it was. Like, that's crazy. And I swear the only reason he keeps his job is because A, of Dumbledore and his machinations, and B, because his kids' newt scores are through the roof. Yeah, yeah so. probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. He is mm-hmm. effective, if nothing else. <laughs> Man of standards. Yeah, and that's why I think Dumbledore gives him free reign, because it's like, well, the Board of Regents really appreciates how potion scores have been massively better, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm, <laughs> since you took over. Whatever the method. So, you know, good job there. It's kind of like having a coach who really demands way too much and is like, I'm trying to get you to the big leagues with like a class D school. And you're like, oh, my God, there's no possible way that we're going to get, you know, to a more advanced level of sport, but then somehow magically it happens because of all the pushing and whatever which to some extent i admire to other extent i'm like okay people's mental health matters okay yeah (laughs) okay but the thing is i i think a lot of snape's issues with permitting other people to like have their mental health is because he's so rigorously in denial about his own mental health stuff Mm -hmm. i definitely that Poor thing. Okay, the next thing I have on the list, I'm not sure about, but uh, talking about personality traits, I have the, is it is it Myers-Briggs, a 16 part, whatever. Oh, I have that yeah. and I also have the big five on here so we can pick one or the other. Snape's definitely like an INTJ. Okay. Now they they have them as a sensing ISTJ. Oh, that'll also work. So it's the one I read. But I guess we can talk about the different um things. Okay, so I is for introverted. I I think that's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. I concur. Then there's the N, which or the S, which is the the part that I think people can make a case for either pretty easily. So there's sensing or what's the other one? Intuitive. Intuitive. Namely, in your head or more like hands-on. Yeah, and uh, NTJB, the architect. He shows the N type, I think. Well, I don't know. I, when I look at the Advanced Potions book and what he did with that, it seems very intuitive to me. Exactly. I think that I think it's okay to, to say that he'd be like a split decision with that because the S part I see in terms of the sort of like, I think of S as being very much like an artist. Like okay. somebody who is creating things out of sort of a sort of an instinct, and I think that that definitely shows in his potioneering as well as his defensive magics. Like he just has a lot of like ingrained muscle memory that he's built upon, and very concretely so. Is that fair? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though he also has a grasp of theory, so that's the end part. So the third part is thinking. Yeah, versus feeling, and we know he's not mm-hmm. the feelings. <laughs> <laughs> no, what no, no, feelings? No. <laughs> he, he's trying to be a thinker and not a feeler. Yeah, even though he feels things so deeply. Yes, I know. That's what we love about Fick is healing back those layers to get to those feelings. It's so much fun. Yeah, <laughs> digging all those feelings. Give me the feels give me the feels exactly all of the feels yes mm-hmm. give me the angst. <laughs> and then the last one is judging yeah which we we see that pretty he's very good at sort of um judging character and stuff or situations yeah and it's more that kind of judging rather than like i judge you for this that or the other thing right judgmental yeah 
Yeah, because the other, the opposite side is perceptive, which he's perceptive by a lot. But I think the judgmentalism, the rigid thinking really is more evident. Someone who's perceptive, I think of as more helpful puffy, like welcoming of everyone, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's not Severus. <laughs> what? What? The Sorting Cat Our wasn't like king. trying to go between the two. Like, I don't know, Slytherin, maybe Hufflepuff. I don't know. I'm just like... <laughs> Oh, those are my opinions. But also, the Myers-Briggs is notoriously flawed as a measure, but I, I enjoy it anyway. Yeah, I think it's still fun. What do you think about the big five personality traits? Remind me what they actually are, because I don't remember. Okay, um, openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, neuroticism. High on neuroticism. <laughs> <laughs> Low on openness. Yeah. Agreeableness low. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> extroversion low and what's the other one conscientiousness i would say hi i need to close up unfortunately because my wife is calling me so that means that i need to head home well thank you so much it's been awesome to have especially like the therapy point of view and mental health like you know in irl situation to break this down it's been extremely fascinating i've loved it thank you thank you for for wanting my perspective which i am delighted that people think i have a perspective to share <laughs> We're glad to have you. You definitely do. <laughs> Would you have a minute to talk about your fic real quick, the case consultation? Oh, sure. Severus S. Of course. Oh, great. Yes. Uh, do you have questions about it? I'm unfamiliar, so I don't, yeah, I don't know. So basically, it's a post-epilogue, what epilogue fic, but it actually, I suppose, is canon compliant in that Sev officially dies, but actually is transported via port key uh, that Dumbledore set up in the event of death, transport Sev to a uh, completely different location, namely Massachusetts, to attend an Aerosmith concert because uh, I guess <laughs> in my head, Dumbledore at one point was like, Severus, if you could do anything this weekend, let's say, what would you do? And so Carla was like, I would go to a fucking Aerosmith concert. I don't know. What the fuck do you think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And Dumbledore, in his Dumbledorean way, is like, I'll, I'll take that. Um, and basically Dying. sets up some co- sort of magical spell or porky as, like, acknowledgement that, like, he's asked a lot of Severus the whole time that they've been alive and stuff. And this is, like, a lot of effort, but actually ends up, you know, giving Severus a whole new opportunity to evolve and become into a more fulfilled version and happier version of themselves. And the, the whole point, that that's all the backstory. So you enter the fic and you have to kind of deduce that background because it's actually written from the perspective of Snape's therapist. Her name is Letitia Rosenberg. She is a queer black woman living in Massachusetts in Boston in in 1998 and basically starts off with seeing this homeless guy who really doesn't want to be there, has been hospitalized for pancreatitis and is mandated to treatment and does not want to be there at all and just Mm -hmm. wants to continue drinking himself to death, except then it starts to emerge that there's some gender stuff underneath the brusque exterior, as well as some deep complex trauma she is muggle she spends a lot of time basically coaxing trust out of snake and basically like we uh, where i have most recently left off is about just after christmas i think and i i haven't updated in months i i very much intend to my life has just been a walking disaster for the past several months so <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. Um, you know, also I've been getting into this, like it, getting outside and doing cemetery work and that's been taking up my fan fiction time, which I admit, uh, but the thing is, it's also getting me outside, which makes me a little happier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very important. So anyway, that's... Uh, which by Snape's pale is pale skin, obviously he doesn't get enough vitamin D. So he's uh, just yeah. not doing himself any favors <laughs> whatsoever. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, no. <laughs> I hope that is... It, 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 do you have any further questions, Kat, about what uh, any other details or questions you have about case consultation? Um, I, I think that's a good um, starting point. And, um, yeah. I sure appreciate you joining us. Yes, it's been so fun. This has been a highlight of my week. So thank you so much, everyone. Yeah, thank you. I've got to go. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Okay. All I have left are Ficrex. Awesome. I've been reading. (laughs) Okay. One good one I read was called In Their Hands by Desert Sea. Of course, we'll have links to all these. Um in the show notes. But after the war, Severus Snape is sent to a retreat for intensive therapy. Can Dr. Hermione Granger help him? Or is she the one who requires therapy? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't mention, but she is a sex therapist too. So. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, Snape pretty much takes the place over. <laughs> nice. Okay, um, another uh, short one called Family Therapy by Copper's Mama. Um, Snape and Hermione are newlyweds navigating Snape's role as stepfather to her children. This is basically after Ron has passed away. So her son Hugo has some issues to work through there. And so that's kind of an interesting little thing. And um, okay, Severus Snape's Recovery by Snape. Snape Lives Forever. In the CAU, 19-year-old Severus Snape is dangerously close to the edge. As a young professor struggles with depression. Habits he hoped to leave behind resurface, and he once again finds himself craving the solace of his blade. Trigger warnings for eating disorder, cutting, and attempt in suicide. That's kind of heavy. And the last one is A Promise to Be Better by Raven Dancer. This was written, I believe, in 2001. But after returning to the Death Theater, Snape begins to crack. It's up to Dumbledore to keep him together through the turmoil. It's interesting. There's, I don't know if it's Dumbledore, but there's a lot of cuddling happening there which probably the poor guy needs but it's interesting (laughs) anyway so that's that's what i have for snape and therapy uh thick wrecks and i guess anybody have any last thoughts i don't think so talked about some really great stuff this is an awesome episode yes yes Yes, much thanks to the lady heliotrope um and uh thanks to you megs and you dan puff and um, thank you anytime and uh yeah we'll uh talk again soon (laughs) all right (laughs) take care everybody bye-bye and i hope you enjoyed the discussion portion of our show thanks to everyone for joining in now we have an interview with the wonderful lady heliotrope enjoy is Snape-centric. I'm here with Lady Heliotrope. Yes, Lady Heliotrope. And she's going to talk about her life and work with us. Thank you for for having me. I am so glad you are doing this. This is really cool. Oh, thank you. You know, I just want to spread love, so that's, I'm a weirdo, whatever. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you are in extremely good company on that one. So, yeah. And I'll be weird together. Indeed. So, yeah, I'm on Lady, I'm Lady Heliotrope. I've been doing fanfic writing since I was literally four years old or five years old, something like that. 
like that. Um, though obviously that was not Harry Potter oriented. That was Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> <laughs> My wife finds extremely amusing. Um, with good reason. I, I love that. <laughs> so that was my first fanfic was like a crossover of Thomas the Tank Engine and Peter Pan. Oh, that's great. <laughs> it was so, so dorky, but it was very sophisticated for my age. Indeed. I think. Yeah. Very yeah. complex. Yeah. Well, you've started to tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah. And so, oh, okay. Well, I did have two additional profiles earlier. The first one was Alec the Narnistic, and uh, I started that one back in middle school, and I worked on it until college, and then in college, I made a new profile called Anachnistic Alex, because that makes sense. Big change there. <laughs> <laughs> and then basically in graduate school is when I made my Lady Heliotrope profile, and that like sort of it demarcates these three segments of my life pretty well. Yeah, it's like high school and middle school and then college and then grad school and adulthood. Have you always been a Snape fan? Oh, since the first time that I watched the first Harry Potter movie, yeah. I was just like, I like that guy in the cape. And all my friends are like, ooh, you like Alan Rickman. I'm like, Alan, you know, fine and all. But, you know, it's really the character that gets me excited and like really resonates with me. So, oh, yes. Um, I have this sort Sort of ideation that Snape sub I typically call, call him sub in my head for whatever reason I don't know I, I try to avoid the sort of connotations that come with because a lot of a lot of anti-Snape discussions have like use his last name and I find it kind of yeah more intimate to use his first name but though that's a bit presumptuous too <laughs> Not necessarily. I kind of like to alternate, I think, but that's... This is inner dialogue stuff. Yeah. See, I first became aware of you during the comments section of, of some fix. I don't remember what it must have been. Yeah, I don't either, but I, it's like, oh, Lady Heliotrope. I like that color. <laughs> and you had good comments, and I'm out there writing, good job. <laughs> I'm not very good at putting words on it. It's okay. At one point, I actually made myself a form template, like a Google form that I would just like click um I would basically auto generate an entire oh, really? review by <laughs> it's really dorky no. it's like it, anything I can automate I try so it's like insert declaration here like and then you choose from a list of like 20 <laughs> declarations like amazing and then I really like the dot 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 and you fill in the blank and I really think it really adds you dot 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 and then keep writing or some <laughs> other closing <laughs> and that's literally I have a google form that I click through sometimes I when I remember it wrong. It's extremely no, dorky. No, not, not dorky. <laughs> so you ran into me in some comment section. Yeah, and it, obviously it was an SSHG. Probably. Well, obvious. Probably. That's one of my questions here. Yes, I I do very much love SSHG. It just, something about it just like fills me with, with happiness. Oh. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> Though right now what I'm working on is a Snuna fic. But... Oh, there is a lot of Snuna love lately I've seen on, on Tumblr. That's my favorite, favorite pairing. If I were to like not pair so with someone else who's contemporary or older amongst my other favorite ships are. Oh, basically, I can basically come up with a way to make Sev be with anybody. It's very funny. Mm-hmm. Well, I've seen him. I've even seen him with Ron. Yeah, um, I believe it. I, that one I can get behind. I can get behind it I can't mm-hmm. but yeah. SSHG I just like it just like fills like all of this of my soul that need nourishment that's a great way to put it thank you <laughs> is what you read kind of the same as what you write mm-hmm. 
ish. I sometimes I'll have a friend who has written a thing and I will read what they wrote to support them and love them because they are great and I care about them. I honestly don't read that very much, honestly. If I have to choose between writing and reading, I tend to write. And there's only so much time. Yeah, I am a busy working professional and all that. And I have two kids and, you know, a virtual zoo of animals. So, and I work way more than my wife would like me to. So yeah. given that I, my fanfic time is relatively small, but also like it, it, it tends to be like a cycle with me. I'll go through a period where I'm like really, really like living and breathe fanfic. And then like, you know, then I'll rotate to a different hobby. And I'm kind of in one of those rotation phases right now where I'm focused a little bit more on genealogy and like going to graveyards and photographing gravestones. Oh, okay. That's one of my big hobbies that I'm sort of, that's more in circulation right at present rather than fanfic. But I always come back fanfic, usually in the winter because going out is less fun. <laughs> I don't know. Today's the first really cold day here. Whereabouts are you? Um, I'm in Wisconsin. Oh, oh, okay. So you're you're not like in Australia or something, which no. is kind of what I imagine. When oh gosh, I no. Have, when I have internet friends, they frequently are in Australia or mm -hmm. Europe or something. Yes, that's so. that's true. There's they're all over, which is neat. It is um, super neat. Yeah. So, um, so it sounds like you've been publishing your work online for quite some time now. Yeah, Starting since middle school. Middle school, okay. Which was when number one, I got into Harry Potter because uh, uh, growing up, my parents were conservative Christians and were very, which on its own, I have no necessary judgments about or anything. But the thing is, my mom was of the opinion that Harry Potter, Rush Limbaugh at one point was really into the idea that like Pokemon was like devil worship and Harry Potter was of the same ilk. Oh goodness. And that's where my mother was coming from. So I was not allowed to read Harry Potter. And then even though like my aunt was a teacher and she's like, you know what? You would love Harry Potter. And I'm like, I totally maybe would. I don't know. And my mom's like, no, no, Harry Potter. I was like, but then in middle school, I had some friends come over for a sleepover because middle. And my friends were like, let's watch Harry Potter. And I was like, my mom has never let me watch Harry Potter. And of course, my mom, being the mystifying creature that she is, decided that night it was totally fine to watch Harry Potter. <laughs> And that was the day that I fell in love with Snape. Oh, the day, yeah. I was just like, whoa, this is this is the vibe. Mm -hmm. And Rickman made him so mysterious, just, you know, from the start. Yeah. And I was already prime and ready to be a Snape fan because I was a Phantom of the Opera fan. Oh, okay. I don't know if you remember. So Phantom of the Opera came out back in I, the, the modern version with Gerard Butler. Mm, I remember the, seeing that. Came out, yeah. As a movie, for my 12-ish year old mind, it blew me away. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, this chronically misunderstood musician. Oh, can't even. Oh, have you seen the original with Lon Chaney? Yes, yes. I actually wrote a thesis on Phantom at one point oh, wow. in college. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I have seen every version I could get my hands on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm a Lon Chaney stan. That's another one of my little. We all have our little things, right? Uh, Indeed. That's how. That's cool that you're a Phantom person too. Yeah. You get it. So Phantom really started. Basically, I was into Phantom. I was also really into. Sherlock Holmes. I still am. Oh, me too. Um, love some Sherlock. But basically, like, Phantom, Sherlock, and stuff. I even wrote a fanfic at one point that had all three of them because hashtag Dorphosaurus. You know? <laughs> <Not> that. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, I think I added a couple of extras for my friends. I think it was called Erkholsev Spar 
Don, I don't remember, but Urkel's have was like my like my like my three guys. I love it. Yeah, Just all the outsiders. Yeah, and also it's one of those things where it's like in retrospect, it's like oh autism, that's a thing, and like in retrospect, I'm like okay, all of the all the guys I like are like super autiful, and I self-diagnostic autistic, so that's a thing. Mm-hmm. And, and one of one of the things is the hyperfixation, or I'm still trying to understand the whole thing and I, I don't even know it possibly me a lot of things I hear kind of resonate yeah I I, I get that vibe from you offhand oh, so. well, a lot of us in this uh, community definitely have that feel um, at least many of us are, um, from what I've seen so anyhow basically like this fascination with the sort of gentlemen who are chronically misunderstood lip smart to a scary degree who frequently piss off other people because they tend to be more oriented towards what is just rather than what is politic. Oh, that's a, such a great way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I'm glad that I've had that recorded because I don't remember what the words were that I used. Um, but yeah, so that is like hashtag my type, except that my type has now been expanded in many degrees, too many degrees, because nowadays I'm married to a woman. Like, did not expect that. Uh-huh. <laughs> did not expect that as a kid whatsoever. I was very scared of my my lesbianism. That was latent. Other thing is that the guys that I've always crushed on have been extremely effeminate and the way that I write Sev is way more like a gay guy, honestly, than uh, a, or at least a, at least a queer, a queer guy rather than like a t- typical cis straight guy. Mm-hmm. So that's one lens that impacts all of my work, regardless of anything. I remember Carrying writing. Whatever. Yes, exactly. It, it's a lens that impacts my writing and it has for a long time. Even in middle school, I wrote a ridiculous, ridiculous on, I think, Alex Anachronistic profile that was called, oh, I don't remember. But basically, it was like Severus and Phantom of the Opera counseling each other through their grief over the loss of their respective ladies. And then, of course, they fell in love with each other. Oh. <laughs> Perfect. I really want to rewrite it. Mm-hmm. My execution was so, so, so silly. You've written a lot of pieces as gifts for other writers. How does that come about? Well, when there's a raffle that people are like, hey, I'm doing a raffle for charity. Would you like to donate a thing? I'm like, how about I donate a thing? Oh, okay. That's a thing. Uh-huh. I also used to be part of a server that uh, I got annoyed by. So I, I, I left it. Um, it was a Discord server. So I, I know. Um, I got annoyed by the server, so I left. Yeah, that's um, difficult. I don't know. I, I'm on servers and I, I'm not so so it's like even my own server gotta remember to get out there and talk to people or else they'll go away and you know I really move at a much slower pace than most people like the thing is an active server really it's like a catch-22 because it's like an active discord server requires people who are on their phones all the time but the people that I want to spend time with are not the people who have all all the time ready to invest like the people that I care about are generally people that do other things and are busy and it's really frustrating because then it's like okay well the server disappears without the teenagers who are you know busy with their internal systems and their drama associated with being young but then if I just if I just hang out with the people that I want to spend time with then we kind of like just get distracted by life and then we need like a, a good mix somehow and I have not the energy or time to master the skill of a discord server creation yes <laughs> yeah 
I, I know mine was somebody built mine and then gave it to me and it's like, oh, huh. I, Which one is yours that you run? It's a snake chat. So. Oh, I think I have been on that one. Oh, have you? Okay. I think. I must. I must have. I mean, at one point, I, I think you may have been on Hearts and Cauldrons, which... I'm still on it, but then I'm just, yeah, I'm not good at the social thing. Oh, well. Same thing. I'm just like, I get overwhelmed by real life pretty easily, so. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's really what matters. I mean, except having a rich inner life is also of great value. True, yes. And frankly, an an underutilized. I think we would, as a society, benefit a lot more from having more people with rich inner lives. Mm -hmm. Yes, that would, I think, make a better world. Yeah. Yeah. You've written this long fit case consultation severs s mm-hmm. yeah and i love it so glad it's in the form of actual social workers notes i'm really glad you love it i was worried that it would be a lot like my other sort of conceptual type fix where like i get no no real response like people just like read it and they're like eh, and walk away and i'm really glad that it's resonated with a lot of people i feel really really guilty for not having updated while you know real life and everything i don't have a lot of i i don't have any other active writing projects case consultation and this Nuna fic that I'm writing is a one-off it's not a not a chapter fix so how did you pick I believe it was that he suddenly wakes up at an Aerosmith concert yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh and just you know being going through homelessness and alcohol and and then eventually gender dysphoria it's kind of an interesting combination of of things to put the poor guy through (laughs) I know I know that's what we do though right I mean, that is the nature of the game, isn't it? Yes. So I think the question is, how did I come up with it? Yeah. I mean, like the majority of the work that I do, it's sort of just an organic eruption of factors. Like case consultation, I don't know where I came up with the idea. The initiation of like me actually writing case consultation to someone on Hearts and Cauldrons, um, Leah, because Leah very specifically said, I would read the heck out of that. And I was like, okay, I'll write. And so I just started... Um, I had never seen a fic do this before. So I was like, you know what? I already have a sort of a Google form that I use for my case notes for actual work. So I mean, once in a while, if I plug in Nate's name here just let's see what happens. So the initial sort of experience of me writing it is basically like a, well, what would be kind of a funny way of starting off a fic like this? So I figure in kind of a Dumbledorean way, like Dumbledore kind of asked question of Sev at one point being like, what would you do with your life? You, What would like be your bucket list uh-huh. item? I, that's where I, I believe the whole Aerosmith concert came into play because I think Sev sarcastically was like, I don't know. Probably just going to a fucking Aerosmith concert. Like some some like <laughs> offhanded comment that was just like totally a non sequitur that was at, like in one ear out the other not take serious at all. And because Dumbledore is an ass in my opinion, mm-hmm. I think he just was like, you know what? We're going to set up this enchantment basically to in the minute that you expire in the service of, you know, the wizarding war, I'm going to give 
give you ultimate reward of revival using some enchantment that involves Phoenix Tears, I imagine. And yeah, basically as a location, just took that offhand comment of Sev's and was like, okay, well, all right, fine. But you're, there happens to be an Aerosmith concert. Um, or basically probably was tied to Aerosmith, that is my guess. This this spells was somehow tied to Aerosmith um, because it, that's the only way it could have made sense. And it just so happened to be in Boston. <laughs> In, in terms of where they were when Sev actually died. So that's the background of how Sev ended up in Boston in the first place. And it's just kind of like a... Oh, I was just saying, it, it felt like he just washed up on shore. Yep, exactly. And, and that's sort of the premise of the story is like, you know, in the absence of all of the traumatic factors influencing, I'm going to use nomenclature them because in the fic, they really haven't been like, I am them, I am female. They haven't really endorsed that at this point though it's obviously about to happen it's just it hasn't you know emerged organically yet because they've got so many defense up defenses that they've put up over years upon years upon years he's getting there though definitely and we'll eventually evolve into it anyway that's how case consultation sort of emerged and came into being sort of randomly and i really like the character of leticia leticia she kicks ass but also is very vulnerable and very deeply in pain and that's very reflective of like me and my my own life but also like I'm not her like she's a very distinct woman character who's very different from me I am uh, I identify as non-binary myself and thus I Letitia would never Letitia is her own entity but integrate pieces of me so that's how writing mm-hmm. when do you usually write when, when you have a chance when I have a chance it's often on my phone at like 10 o'clock at night if my daughter has fallen asleep successfully or a weekend um, like today like today it would be a good day for writing like I feel like other big obligations have to be sort of cleaned out before I can successfully set a time side time for writing like if we don't have any clean underwear I don't think I can write that kind of thing yeah those those things tend to yeah do you mind if we ask about if I ask about uh, JK oh of course of course okay I mean the fucker <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I at first I was disbelieving and then it was like betrayal. I mean, I think that's basically the gist of, of my feeling is just like she was the creator of the original vision and it's great and all, but like AP has its own life and it is very queer friendly. So... Yes. Yeah, the universe has its own existence beyond JKR, and JKR is kind of irrelevant at this point, so in my opinion. I totally agree with you. Though. I do have some guilt for engaging in things that are, um, you know, HP related, but also I like I feel like, oh no, I shouldn't enjoy this whole corpus of, of art because of the transphobia. But I also have to recognize, like, look, I have been sort of queering up the HP fandom for longer than she has been out as a turf, and and you know, it's, I'm totally fine with people distancing themselves from HP because of the, because of JKR. Right. I don't have any problem with that. I don't have any objection to that. I'm like, please do what makes sense for you and your mental health. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I kind of figure out the author is dead. And... Yeah, it's published. It's out there. She can revise history all she wants. The corpus of literature that is the over arc of the, this first seven book that exists. If she chooses to add additional things, cool beans 
but you know, she has completed the arc of the story that that I work with. I don't pay any attention to anything aside from the original seven books, and even those, I I do the epilogue. What epilogue? Yes, I agree with that. What about cursed child? Yeah, it's kind of so. Okay, that's enough on her. Yeah. Some of the themes in your work include disabilities, fat acceptance. How did you come to explore more unusual topics? I'd say. Um, I mean, both mostly real life experience, frankly. Oh, I didn't mention I've worked at homeless shelters. I have worked with individuals with alcoholism. I've worked with a lot of different people at this stage in my career, which despite the youthful um, sort of timbre of my voice. <laughs> throwing these scrabble words out there despite the useful timbre of my voice i'm actually turning 30 this year so a lot of a lot of the content that i engage with a lot of the conceptual work that i engage with is just like real life experience like engaging with people that i care about and their issues and like oh no like life happens and i mean i do sometimes write about parenting but frankly parenting has been such a journey that i can't even quite capture it effectively in my writing and also when i'm writing i kind of want to escape parenting life because parenting is really hard and yeah yeah writing about it yeah okay i can see that would you be comfortable reading a little bit of your work oh totally I'm going to read a brief selection from Forest. Um, I wrote it for Black Coffee 13 as part of a exchange that I put together called Snail Mail. is cute. And this is, uh, well, there's content notes you mentioned. Uh, hypoglycemia, diabetes, vision limitations, foraging and eating wild mushrooms, making academic plans without input from students. Those are the only potentially triggering things I have identified. If any of those things uh, bother you, please do not read this fic. I think... I'm going to choose a sort of climactic moment. Her cheeks began to color, and in humiliation, she realized that perhaps she'd made a great, terrible miscalculation. Her mind flooded with the image of Snape's fat New Year's at New Year's Day, looking prim and proper and not jovial at all. He was just grinding beetroot into paste for feeding a nest of gerbil bees they'd discovered in the green. And truth be told, he'd been rather naff, not to mention silent. But she just assumed, if anything, it was a response to the holidays en general. I, you didn't say anything, she said, feeling small and apologetic, not knowing what to say. Jen precisely stood him up, but she wasn't sure what else to call it. Snape's fierce silence spoke louder than anything he could have said. A snake does not beg, she recalled him saying proverbially several times during the course of their collegial relationship. Already, a second ask was pushing the envelope for him, she knew. I, I'm so sorry. Hermione felt herself wanting to dive under the earth quicker than he could say balderdash. But somehow, her courage did not abandon her. Thank goodness for that. His lip gave a small quirk of annoyance, but he waved her concern away in a brisk gesture. It's nothing. No matter how breezily he said it, she knew that this was a lie. She had gotten to know post-war Snape well enough in the span of these nine months to see that. I don't agree. She stood up and moved a tiny bit closer to him, and he winced in what appeared to pain. It's definitely important to you, and I didn't honor it as such. Truly, Snape insisted, shaking his head and leaning back in his chair. His soft sight, slightly graying hair covered his face in an expression incongruous with his forty-odd years. It's of no importance. Let's not belabor the point. I will belabor point, Hermione responded, and frowned markedly at him. As you like to say, Gryffindors are bloody brilliant at finding. He rolled his eyes but avoided her gaze. It really is of no consequence, he said, and rolled his shoulders back in a gesture of trying to shake off his own feelings. Please, Granger, don't force it. Well, I wouldn't force it, Hermione uttered, feeling her heart practically thumping out of her throat, except that I believe you have misread the situation entirely. This earned his pinched expression, and he groaned lowly. 
I am well acquainted with rejection, he stated, and I do not need your pity. Pity? The word was so unbelievable in this context that Hermione didn't have a chance to filter it properly. Despite the shakiness of her breath, she elaborated. I couldn't pity you, sir. Rather, he didn't give her any assistance whatsoever. Instead, he stared coldly at her foot. Oh, rather the opposite. Really? She didn't mean to squeak. She absolutely did not mean to squeak. But the moment her voice got stuck at the top back of her mouth, the squeak emerged, and her dignity was stolen by hellhounds who dragged it behind them as they returned home from the surface of the earth. Hmm. He didn't say anything else for a moment, instead contemplating her word behind half-lidded eyes. The silence seemed to stretch on forever, and Hermione was about to pass out, exhaustion and anticipation when he finally added, Perhaps there is hope in this world or stodgy old men. She almost screamed. Was this meaning what she thought? I, I hope I haven't made a terribly awesome mind bluster, feeling her skin flush all the way to her toes. If I have, please, please correct it. And what, pray, is your terribly assumption? Truth to the teacher in him, he wasn't letting her down easy. No, indeed. She couldn't bring herself to finish her thought, not until state Snape's stony silence forced her. Is it, perhaps, that you fancy? She breathed in deeply, noticing all the swirling sensations, dark greens and browns of forest, the scent of soil and decaying leaves, the powerful warmth he exuded in his long gray country robes. And then, like a waterfall tumbling to life after a thousand years of drought, she exhaled. Me? For all her, this word was fairly squeaky too, to her utter grip. Snape's posture seemed to soften, and he was visibly more relaxed. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it quite like that, he responded, an eyebrow raised a mild news, but perhaps there's something to that awkward assumption. There was a spot of color on his face too, and all of a sudden he looked closer to being ill than to offering a confession romantic interest. At least it bears further examination, he added, apparently quite sick with stomach. She recognized this to be a symptom of his hypoglycemia and pressed with a barely sipped raspberry squash into his hand. Drink it all, she instructed. He grimaced and obeyed with closed eyes. After a few moments, he was nodding and looking less wan. You're not more paranoid than a ruddy healer, he snarled. But there was gratitude in the way he stared at her direction. So, Hermione said, feeling her confidence boost at his acknowledgement, her heart flooding with and sudden, unmitigated tenderness that she'd been keeping tampered down for a long time. You fancy me? He shrugged, steadily not looking in her direction. As I said, it's a hypothesis that merits further study. She couldn't help but laugh. I'll take your hypothesis over other men's facts any day. And so you see, Granger, Snape said, with what almost sound chuckle, you lack scientific objectivity necessary to be a truly great potion's mistress. What? Hermione said and kicked over the mushroom basket dramatically. Since all the fungi were bagged, their, worth, their work wasn't boiled, but Snape was sufficiently impressed by the demonstration. I was all set to study for my boards and become Europe's youngest dual certified miss. Uh, I didn't say you would pass your board. Snape drawled, looking altogether too sly and cruel to remain unkissed for long. I just believe that you would benefit from further enhancement of your training post-attaining your mastership. I'd be willing to extend the favor to you, if you would so desire. The favor of what name? She grinned at the insolence using his last name, unburdened by title. He seemed equally chuffed, if the glint in his eye was anything to go by. Why <laughs> employment, of course, he answered. And it sounded innocent enough until she caught the hint of humor in his court lips. Junior partner, she negotiated, and in response, he gestured for her to approach. Mixing business and pleasure is a rather dubious venture, he pronounced as she kneeled down next to another level. He went on in a whisper, but how can I help but want it all? Is that yes to a junior partnership? She didn't mean to sound so giddy, but her heart was liable to leap out of her chest at any moment. It's yes to practically anything you might want. At her obvious prize, he smirked a little sadly. I suppose you should know by now I don't do things by half measures. Then, as she remained in dumbfounded silence, he went on. 
but there is no pressure in the event that this kind of arrangement is not suitable to. Oh, damn it, old man. With that, he pressed her lips against his, and she nearly faded into starlight at the hungry, wholehearted way that his body responded. After a few painful moments that threatened to destroy her credulousness reality, she withdrew and stared at his face, touching her nose to his. It's extremely suitable. She'd never seen him so embarrassed, and despite the fact that he could scarcely, scarcely see the intensity of her expression, she, he cast his chin downwards. I had hoped, he said, his breath shallow and tight, that this would be the solution to this puzzle. I rather imagine this is only the beginning of a much larger labyrinth to which you are leading me, Granger. Hermione, bending over to pick up the spilled packages of mushrooms, she didn't feel like waiting another sec for them to get on a first-name basis. He seemed to agree, based on the deep sigh he gave. Hermione, she couldn't help but notice a touch of wetness at his eyes. Relief flooded her as, for all her past reluctance to admit her feelings, she knew her heart was truly sunk, and the idea that the terrible, wonderful, brilliant Severus name might have a tear in his eye for her, that set her heart aflame like nothing else ever had in the whole wife. To that end, kissed him again and poured them both some more raspberry squash. Then they sat in appreciative repose and toasted their good fortune to the sleepy song of the sunset, quietly dreaming of future possibilities and bliss. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> thank you for letting me read. Oh, thank you for reading. I really appreciate it. Where can we find you online? Primarily Archive of Our Own is where I live. Yeah, basically that's it. That's all I regularly update. I sometimes kick around on Tumblr, but eh, that's pretty rare. People are always welcome to email me at lady.heliotrope at gmail.com if you have something you would like to say that would be not just a like cool chapter bro on a fanfic, which is also very welcome. <laughs> Okay, great. What are your future plans for Snape? Uh, hopefully I finish case consultation. We'll see what this winter brings. Again, I, I think I write a lot in winter, probably because it gets dreary out. Sure. You know? mm-hmm. um, as far as future plans, I do have something I'm writing for. Um, yeah, I'm working on a Snuna, but I realize that's... I, we'll see. We'll see what happens. If, if, it, if it emerges <laughs> or if it crumbles into the abyss, that's also possible too. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> we'll see. With your talent, I, I'm sure... Great. Thank um, you. Yeah. Very kind of you. <laughs> Do you have any advice for aspiring authors? Well, just number one, the sheer quantity of stuff you put on the page. You know, don't overanalyze your work. Basically, just like write, 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 and then reread it once in a while. You know, see how far you've come, and you know, read good books. Like, don't be afraid to crib off of other people that that you are inspired by, provided you provide good citations, but not also like go and get yourself some life experience doing something that is meaningful for the world if possible it doesn't have to be being a therapist it could be humanitarian aid work it could be growing food for your community writing should be an endeavor that is done in addition to its service that's great i'm glad it's good advice (laughs) it is especially yeah doing something to give back is is always i don't know writing is a form of giving back too um yes but why not why not just like give back even more this is one of the problems that I have chronically is uh, every hobby I have is a form of giving to others in some way. Oh, yes. And there is like no point to it in, in my book if my hobby cannot make others' lives better. So like even my like going to graveyards is like for the purpose of documenting for other people's families and for posterity. That's that's like if somebody posts on find a grave that they need a person photographed in the cemeteries near me, I just go and take care of that for them. Oh, that, that's really, that's really nice because 
I'm sure people from all over need things like that. Indeed. You know, is, you know, I do my best to document stuff and I do restoration of stones too, or at least I'm starting to learn how to do that. It's pretty cool. Um, you can just take a scrub brush and water and work up a sweat just scrubbing old gravestones. As long as they're not like shit and falling apart and disintegrating, anybody can do that. I never use any like industrial cleaners other than like D2, which is a specially formulated biological cleaner. Mm-hmm. So don't bring like dish soap. I, I say this very specifically because I think people, when they hear, oh, you can just bring a scrub brush with water, they will be like, well, how about I bring some Dawn? It's like that can get into the pores of the stone and make it indecipherable. Oh, dear. Oh, especially the older stones that don't have a coating on them, like the old marble stones. Oh, yes. Those are so fragile. They're just, oh, yeah, they don't age well. Yeah, they don't. And one of the things I like to try and do is clean them up so that you can see what they actually say but you have to be very careful that just there's a good site called the good samaritan samaritan spelled like cemetery it's very funny <laughs> that's my little plug for this very weird side hobby that a lot of people are like huh why did you go to cemeteries on a regular basis i'm just like it's a good vibe yeah. and yeah people are really into finding out about their families nowadays and i'm sure that you really help a lot of people that way i try you know and that's the thing is just trying and i i do need to get i know that case consultation is helping a lot of people and i really it needs to end well which i will i think that's part of the challenge of case consultation is like all the pressure to end it and wrap it up in a nice tidy bow worried that i'm not good at that (laughs) especially when i add another plot point and kind of like throwing dishes in the air and trying to spin them all yes you know what i mean i know what she's talking about spinning and it's like another plot point (laughs) another another plot point (laughs) and i'm just like "Ah, ah, (laughs) can i keep them all alone (laughs) so that's how i feel writing is sometimes but i feel like also the characters really speak me and just i just sort of translate what they're articulating to me i hope that has answered all of the gist of the questions you have i apologize for being such a rambly person oh that's that's all right you bring a lot of joy to me and i know a lot of other people so well, i'm really glad for that thank you for having me on the podcast <laughs> yes and thanks for spending your time with us my pleasure my pleasure no this was fun getting to talk about one of my special interests it's a nice thing yeah all right well take care be safe mm-hmm. have a wonderful rest of the day you too enjoy your weekend so. <laughs> bye bye that's all for snape chat episode eight Find links in the show notes for Lady Heliotrope, other Fickrecks, and more. Let us know what you think. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Tumblr and Twitter, or send us an email or voice message. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks to Maria and Nix for all their great behind-the-scenes help. Be sure to check out Care of Magical Shippers podcast. Thanks for listening in. Until next time, stay snarky.